I'm Brandon Hull, and this is Freelance to Founder. He had this he had this mantra, write epic, and the idea was, don't really pay attention to SEO, just write stuff that's so good they can't ignore you kind of thing. And I was like, that makes so much sense. <laughs> like, let's write for people. So right now, the business is on its way to do, probably going to cap out at about 450 this year. Welcome to Freelance to Founder, where I uncover the stories of freelancers and solopreneurs who scale their businesses to be something much bigger than themselves. Today, we feature my conversation with Matt Givanesi, founder of Swim University, Money Lab, and Lasso, the WordPress plugin for affiliate marketers. If you want to jump straight to the interview with no setup, skip to the three-minute mark. But if you want to hear why this appearance by Matt on our podcast is important, keep listening. Here's the deal. We talk to founders every week. They come from all walks of life. They build their things in so many different ways with varying levels of experience. And if you listen to their full stories, you find out they don't usually follow a blueprint. They blaze their own trail because they're wired that way. So many of our guests were restless when younger. They were disenchanted with the corporate life. They had experiences that we've all had while working for companies big and small as employees, but they did something about it. They called upon a skill or a talent they had, or maybe just a healthy dose of courage while doubling down on something they had going on the side, and it paid off. What I love about Matt's story today is there were so many cards stacked against him. He hated school, and honestly, he didn't do well with it. He gave college a try, twice, and it just wasn't for him much to the disappointment of his father. And it's some of that backstory that makes his story so important to hear beyond the how I built this. Here's some truth for you. The internet levels the playing field. You could be from any country with any level of education, even with significant physical disabilities or perceived liabilities. But if you're willing to put your shoulder to the wheel a bit, learn some skills on your own and put them to relentless work, it can pay off. It makes the impossible possible for people who might otherwise struggle to make it following the traditional corporate path. Matt is brilliant, but walking down the same path so many walk down wasn't going to cut it for him. Years ago, that would have been a major problem, and his future would probably have been curtailed, but that's not his story. He does nearly a half million in sales a year now, and he transparently shares what's working and not working along the way on this episode and via Money Lab. All right, without further ado, let's get to know Matt Givanesi on a deeper level. When you wake up in the morning and check your phone, does it feel like this or like this? Because with Shopify, your morning can feel like this way more often. That's the sound of a sale being made on your new Shopify store, and while client payments may require weeks or months of work, you can start generating a semi-passive income to grow your business by setting up a Shopify store all of your own. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your latest designs on shirts or bags or adding something totally different to your business, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. You can sell online, you can sell in person, wherever and whatever you're selling, 
Shopify has got you covered. With Shopify, you can set up your store in minutes and start selling immediately. And Shopify's award-winning support is there to help you as you go. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash freelance. That's all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash freelance to grow your business no matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash freelance, or click the link in our show description and start waking up to this. Whether you wanna travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language. Order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. Matt Giovanishi, the founder hey. of Swim University. My friend, welcome aboard. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I should just call it out. I can I should just call yeah, it out. Why not? Not only did I phonetically spell your last name and uh, even practice it in my mind numerous times, uh-huh. but then I flubbed it. Uh, and you guys did not hear the bad flubbing of it, but um, I'm embarrassed to have said that. Yeah. But, but I'm willing but to call myself out. You realized I've heard that my whole life, right? You've probably had n- numerous variations on your last so name. So many. In <laughs> fact, when I was starting my podcast, yes. um, the, the plan was to have a different pronunciation of my last name at the beginning of every single episode. And I just realized that that wasn't good for branding. So I ended no, up changing it. My, that wouldn't be... Might be difficult. Yeah, I might be like, what's this guy's name? I don't... You know, I... And you know, it's funny because Gary Vaynerchuk's a tough one to get too. So, and Gillibo. Yes. I figured, yes. Uh, all right. So, it's, I, you know, I could have changed it, but I, I kept it. <laughs> well done. Well done for moments like this, just yeah, for wonderful little moments like this. Hey, it's unique. It makes it different. You, you are the, um, so you are the perfect embodiment of our show uh, in many ways, freelance to founder, because you did, I want to say you freelanced. You freelanced in in building a side business that ultimately became your thing, and you've made a ton of from it, a ton of money from it. You didn't necessarily freelance in that you did web design work for this person and this person and this person and so forth, though, right? I did. You did that as well. Yeah. Well, then you're in, you're literally the perfect embodiment of yeah. Of, uh, that's how I um that's how I supplemented the money that I wasn't making from my side business. I had to go out and do uh, client work. I was doing uh, website design specifically. I know you did website design. I thought you did for an agency, but we're so we're going to get into that because I have plenty of notes on the timeline, not just because uh, I have a team that does good research. Obviously, mm-hmm. we missed that piece, but, uh, but because you, you are one of the few people who literally on your website puts an actual timeline uh, of, yep. of your career yep. years yep. one through five years six through eight and nine through etc that's uh yeah. that's pretty neat to see so okay so let's let's level set uh at this point our listeners would have already heard the backstory on uh who you are and what you do and many of them will already know you um mm-hmm. but let's level set for those who don't know you just talk about where that business is swim university and you can even factor in money lab we'll call it matt Givanishi um enterprises <laughs> where yeah. the where the business is today from a revenue standpoint um and how long you've been doing this okay so i've been doing this for 10 plus years i want to say 11 could be 12 not really sure started in 2004 wasn't full time until 2010 11 um 
I do have a company. It's called Ace Media. It that is what I house uh, Swim University under MoneyLab.co under uh, BrewCabin.com uh, and it, and I used to have RoastyCoffee.com. These were all part of like my media company, and I've had that since honestly since 2008. So I've had that pretty early on. Right, the earliest uh, of years. Yep. Yeah. So I I think so. Right now it's August, right? So we still have another few months left, probably four, right? Is that how you do math? Four months left. And um, the business is on its way to do roughly, I, I want to I exaggerate my numbers. It's killing me not to do this because I want to say half a million. That's what I want to say. It's, it's definitely not that, but it's probably going to cap out at about 450 this year. You will come in just shy of being able to <laughs> throw the <laughs> right. Yeah, there's no, the there's hairs. no little things that you can throw in there that, that uh, just, you know, you're approaching yeah. a half million, right? Yes, I was hoping to hit it this year. That's why I want to say it. I did not, but there's re- there's good reason why I did, and it's and it's for and it's like you 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 remove stress from the business, but that ultimately remove removes revenue in some cases, and in my case, it, it did so. So, so, uh, this is, this is, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. You're, you are, you're doing quite well for yourself as you walk in with gym shorts and uh, barefoot in for this interview. I mean, yep. And a black hoodie from old Navy. I think this one's got a hole in it here. Uh, don't really, not really a fashionista. You so, will. <laughs> you're, you are, I don't know if you've heard of this book, but, uh, a good 25, 30 years ago, there was a book called the millionaire next door. Uh, are you familiar? I own it because, it's beautiful um, book. it's a beautiful book. They, when I, when in 2008, when I bought my house, um, on, on, and I closed on October 3rd, 2008, which was black Monday, that was the book they handed me to be like, Hey, you bought your house. Here's a book. Good luck. Oh, by the way, the market crashed. Oh, great. That's, that was your welcome to uh, home ownership. Yeah. I read like the first chapter and they're like, pay off your house. I'm like, great. Oh God. Yeah. So, so, well, okay. So we're, I'm going to round up and say that you're, you're, you're the half million dollar business, uh, half million dollar level in business. It only took you 10 or 11 years to get there, which some people never get there by the way. And, uh, and, and maybe other people would feel like, "Eh, yeah, I've done seven figures. I've done eight figures. I've done whatever it is, but you've done it through a lot of legit hard knocks. You never attended college. Nope. Uh, you were a, you worked in a pool store at age 13 and then numerous yep. pool stores, uh, as yep. the years went by. Mm-hmm. So the idea that you would be doing this, okay, uh, maybe even 11 years later, um, is still kind of far, far fetched. I think it's fair to say that unless you own yeah. a pool store or something like that. So when you go way back Almost in time, pool store. <laughs> did you? Almost. Yeah. So for real, a brush with, uh, with pool store infamy, like that almost became yep. your thing. Um, if you go back in time to your teens when you were working in that pool store, is mm-hmm. this sort of where you envision where you would be 20 years later, 10 years later, 12 years later, that sort of thing? Uh, parts of it, yes. Uh, obviously not the internet. Uh, and not, I, didn't own a, I didn't have a computer. I wasn't a computer kid. I didn't play video games. Uh, I didn't own my first computer, until, like my first you know, personal computer until I was uh, my first year or my actually my, I should say my first week in college is when my dad bought me a Dell. He said, Matt, you're getting a Dell. And I was like, great. Just and, like the back, um, just like the commercial, right? Just like the commercial. Dude. <laughs> dude. I was like, dad, don't call me dude. Uh, you're getting a Dell, man. I'm like, stop all of that. So he, yeah, he got me my first computer then. So I didn't really, 
do any sort of computer gaming or computer technical thingies, you know, think code or whatever. I was, yeah, I just worked in the pool store and I learned pool care. I learned how to take care of pools. And it's, it's funny because when I think back to that moment, I was, it must have been so weird for an adult to come into the store and to ask the advice of a 13-year-old child how to take care of something in their home. That has, that has to be really weird. Sure. Right? Uh, maybe, maybe even unsettling in some ways, yeah. right? confidence-wise. It's like if I walked into Home Depot and there was a 13-year-old child there and I'm like, I have a leak in my toilet. What kind of Teflon tape should I buy? He'd be like, let me, all right, listen, come follow me. I'll, t- I'll show you. I'd be like, damn, it's smart. The f- yeah, I th- <laughs> the four dollar ninety nine cent kind. That's the kind that right. you should well, buy. Yeah. Right. I, I would. I don't know if I personally would have a heck of a lot of confidence that that thirteen year old would point me in the right. You know, if I had to ask them to use some wisdom or judgment as opposed to telling me which aisle to go down. Right. Uh, two different. Two different scenarios there. But so so you did it. Picture yourself someday owning Being, your own thing, right? Yes, one hundred percent. I I've, um, I I have a. I used to sell baseball cards. I was a kid, I sold fireworks. That was fun. They used to have a, um, so I went down to, so in New, I grew up in Southern New Jersey, right outside of Philadelphia. There were no fireworks. You couldn't buy fireworks. Uh, still can't. But my friend and I and his dad would drive down to south of the border, which is between North Carolina and South Carolina, I believe. There was this red, like this glorified rest stop. And you could buy, there were just fireworks stores. You could buy ton, tons and tons of fireworks. And so, uh, we would buy a ton of fireworks, like fill up the car, drive home. And then I would have, I got my dad's old briefcase and I filled it with those black cat firecrackers, those right. little squares yeah. in, the, in, the, in the red paper. And I just like lined the briefcase like top and bottom so that when I would turn it around to show like my customers, I would flip open the briefcase and it would look like. Like watches. A, right. <laughs> something yeah. Something like that, right? Like, you want to like show giant, your wares briefcase of cash. Like, <laughs> what do you want to buy today? And I sold them for 50 cents a piece. And then I did a bunch of other things, uh, just little tiny things here and there. I was really always interested in knowing my own business. I've only worked for small businesses. So my experience, I, it was always with the boss of the guy who owned the company. And so I worked for that pool store and I knew the owner, like I, you know, talked to him, hang out with him. Um, and I worked at another pool store where I became like uh, very close and I say close in the business sense to my, to the owner of the company. And, and I've always worked directly with the owners of these businesses personally. So why the pool business? What, what, what drew you to the pool business at such a young age? Did your dad, nothing. was your dad in the business or nope, nothing nope. like that? Huh? Uh, yeah, no, my friend, my best friend at the time and still is, he, he is his neighbor was friends with the guy, the, the kid's son who owned the pool store. There's too many layers. But basically, we were asked as two kids if we wanted a summer job stocking shelves at a pool store down the street. And we were like, yeah, that sounds awesome. And so we just took it. But he and my friend eventually like stopped doing it. And I ran with it. Like just, you know, stayed there until I was about 17, 16, maybe. And then was like, oh, I have three years experience, four years experience taking care of swimming pools. I was running the store at, at 16. Like You're I was a crusty veteran employee. at this point at 17, yeah. right? Yeah. And then I, I ended up like, I went down the street uh, into the, the, to the next town at a bigger pool store and I walked in 
and I filled out an application and they, and the, I remember the woman was like, you already have experience. How is that possible? I'm like, I, yeah, I've been doing it since I was 13. And so I was the youngest employee hired at that company uh, at that time. Cause it's like, why, why are you going to pass up this kid's cheap? And he's got prior experience. Right. Wait, by the way, which it's, it's not lost on me. And I know this came up uh, elsewhere, but it's not lost on me that, that at 17, you were the youngest employee at 13. It was, it was iffy whether you were the youngest right. employee because oh, your buddy yeah. or other people have stock and shelves. Right. I don't know. We were getting a, we were getting paychecks every week, like a serious paycheck. I would, we'd walk across the streets of the bank and cash it. I don't know how we were getting that, but we just to it. just to uh, appall you that much. I'm in Southern California and uh, down near San Diego. And if mm-hmm. my kids want to work, besides the fact that they probably won't find very many opportunities at 16 years old, um, you got to be 18. Uh, if mm-hmm. you're in in school still, the school has to sign off on you on your work, like as though the school has to be involved in you know in knowing that work is a part of your life as a kid. No. Can you believe that? No. No. Imagine that. Uh, not the parent. The, obviously, you would assume right. the parent would be on yeah, board yeah, with yeah. it, but the school actually has to sign off on it. Conversation for another day. I think it's, uh, it's, pretty, uh, it's a pretty odd thing. But um, So if I were to ask your parents, mm-hmm. if I were to take your parents uh, aside and ask them what you were like as a teenager when it came to work, what types of things would, would they say? Uh, so my immediate answer, as you were saying that question, was lazy. That's what they would say. Uh, I don't buy. Except, no way. At thirteen, you were willing to work, yeah. and they would have said that. Well, I'm. Yeah, I was a kid. I was a kid. I ate a lot of food. I was lazy. Like during the week, I didn't do homework. I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't a schooler. I didn't like school. Um, but I guess when it came to work, I mean, you couldn't. They, they can't argue that. Like I always attended school. I wasn't. I never like. I had like perfect attendance. I always went and I always went to work and I always worked. And so I probably complained a few times. I'm sure like, I don't want to go to work today. This sucks. Sure. You know, Every sure teenager I've had, does I've had that, those though. moments. Right, right. Yeah. But for the most part, uh, they, I mean, I was, ju- I just visited my parents uh, last week and my mom said, you always had a good worth work ethic. So I guess that's what they would say. Revisionist history. So that looking back, they would they would True. say great things. If they went back in time, they'd probably say, "Oh my gosh, getting them off, trying to get them off the couch was the hardest thing in the world." Yeah, yeah. So there was one point in time I understand that you did tell your mom that you are going to be, you are absolutely going to be an online entrepreneur. So at some point mm-hmm. in time, you know, if we fast forward through the years a little bit, you went from yeah. pool business to pool business to pool business. Yep. Um, I think even leading up to when you were 25 years old or something like that, and you were now in the marketing department of a pool uh, company. Yep. But at some point in time, you had told your mom, nope, I'm going to be an online entre- entrepreneur mom. And I, something to the effect of you'd rather live in a cardboard box than have to work for someone else at that yeah. point. So do you remember saying that? Oh, um, I, I still say that. What? <laughs> I say that all the time. Tell me what do you remember what prompted the conversation? Obviously, mom is trying to 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 I don't know, encourage you, nudge you to follow the traditional path, I'm assuming. That's a little bit more certain and so forth, but uh she failed in that. So, what was the nature of the conversation and why did you feel like you needed to officially put your stake in the ground and say, "Nope, that that world is not for me." Yeah, my mom always worried about me and and rightfully so. I mean, I was I'm the firstborn. You know, she wants to make sure that all her kids do well. And I, 
I understand that, but at the time, it's not what I needed to hear. And my dad has always been my biggest cheerleader. When I was in a rock band and trying to make it, you know, trying to make it as a a, a band, he was hell. You know, he was rah rah shish ba like the whole thing. Um, whereas my mom, like, go get a job. You know, we get a real job, and I had a job the whole time. So um, I remember there was a moment where, so I, and this might have been stupid, but I bought. So my mom literally helped me buy my house, meaning I, you know, she worked for the company that sold the home and she was like, Hey, go look at it. Tell me what you think. And I walked into the model home and I was like, I want this, make it happen. I have money. And I just told her, make it happen. I just, whatever you need from me, I'll just give it to you. But I don't want to, I don't want to deal with it, but just, I want to live there. And so she did, she did all that stuff, all that work. And the first week I move in, I tell her that I had quit my job and found another, I found another higher paying job and, she, and I had a week in between jobs. So I had a week to like set up the house, paint the walls and stuff. Cause it was a brand new condo. And, uh, she almost lost it on me. Cause she's like, how could you, the day that you move in, how could you quit and start another job? And I said, well, one, I'll make more money. So there's that. And two, don't worry. I'll always have a job. I've been working for so long and I'm confident that I I'm, I'm a competent employee. I'll get a job somewhere. I have skills. At this point, I was doing website design. I was doing a lot of code stuff. I was doing a lot of online marketing stuff. I knew that I was in, like my skill set was in high demand. So, so and that's the thing. I was me. real cocky. It's funny that that you said two things there. One, that you knew you'd find a job if you needed to find a job. But you, but separate from finding a job is having skill sets. And you clearly you clearly knew that you had marketable skills. You knew that you had sellable skills that could be put to use even if you couldn't go find a job by just you know applying someplace or something like that. You knew that these skills are going to be in demand by somebody. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. And even if they weren't, I can push a broom. I'm not, I'm not, I am not below any type of job. I like mm. that kind of work. That's cool. So yeah. I'm always able to find something to do. I can contribute and make money from that no matter what. If the internet disappears tomorrow, I know what I'm going to do. Like I have other skills that don't require the internet. I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a brewer. Oh, okay. I was going to say, yeah. wait a minute. You got to, you got to clearly, you got to finish that, that thought. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going to go be a brewer. All right. All right. Either that or a chef. Cause I, I almost did that too. All right. So I have, I, I mean, I have, you know, IRL skills, if you will. Yes. You're not phased by roads that looked nice and paved and, and, uh, and the path that you should take suddenly turning into dead ends or rocky roads or, or anything like that. It just doesn't yeah. seem to, to phase you. No, no. I, cause it's just, I'll, you know, what's that book? The obstacle is the way, right? Just, just I, you, you learn that later, right? Cause my dad had a, a word, the cat bird seat. You ever hear that phrase? I remember I had a job and uh, I, I was doing freelance. Uh, like I, I had a job job where I was getting paid well. And then at a pool company. And I was doing uh, Craig's, I was finding Craigslist jobs doing uh, website design. And there was, a, so I got this uh, job down the street from where I worked, like literally five minutes down the road. And one day after work, he, he called me, the, the other guy, and he's like, hey, can you come into the office? And I was like, okay. So, I, you know, I'm just a freelance web developer. He had go into the office, and he pitches me to work for him and to leave this, this current job that I'm in. 
And I go in cocky and I'm like, yeah, give me 80 grand a year. I'll come over. And he's like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm 20, 25. He's like, no. He's like, but I'll give you 60. And I was like, whoa. And that was like 10 or 20 grand more than I had to make at the other place. So I was like, awesome. And that was my dad was like, you have nothing to lose. Like you're in the catbird seat. Like you could go back to your current job and ask for more money and not leave because now you, it doesn't matter if you, you know, I was like, okay, cool. So I go to my boss, my current boss. And I'm like, Hey man, I just got this job paying more. I don't really want to leave here, but I would love a raise because otherwise, you know, and I, and my, I just thought I'm using leverage and he goes, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, give me the weekend. Let me think about it. Whatever. And so <laughs> the, the weekend goes by, I come into work Monday. I ask him if he wants to talk. He goes, no, give me another day. I was like, okay. So I come in Tuesday morning and he, and he goes, come to my office, sit down. He shuts the door. Usually that's a bad sign. But in this case, I knew we were talking about, I knew we were talking about money. Yes. And he goes, you're fired. And I'm like, what? what? Okay. Why? He goes, well, over the weekend, I installed some software in your computer and I'm tracking all your keystrokes. And I noticed you were visiting a lot of food blogs. I go, yeah, well, I, I, I like to make dinner when I go home. And so I look at what recipes and then I print them out here and then I take them home and I make those recipes. And he goes, well, that's not what you should be doing with your time here. And I'm like, I'm not looking at food blogs all day. I'm just, you know, just a few, maybe two hours, but food blogging. Uh, so then he goes, I've been Googling you and I found that you were, you have been writing guest posts on sites like fireyourpoolguy.com. And I'm like, okay. He goes, so you have this site, Swim University. I'm like, I do. And he goes, you see that's a conflict of interest. And I'm like, I don't see it that way. I have a national pool, pool business that you could have bought, but you're firing me, so I'm out. And I was like, I don't know why you're doing this. I have another job. So that was that. I was fired from that pool company. And I'm like, but I, but for, I think for ego reasons, like there was no reason sure. to fire me. Right. Um, but that was a, that was the biggest moment where I was like, I am, I never, ever want to work for anyone ever again, because the people not, and not everybody I worked for is an idiot, but I always felt more intelligent than them. And I'm not saying that like, I don't, I don't, they're not bad people. I'm just saying that like, I can do this. This is not hard, you know? So that was the moment where I'm like, oh. Yeah, I can do whatever I want. This is nothing. And well, not only I can do whatever I want, because I have a feeling that you already had crossed that bridge. But, yeah, probably. But you probably felt more like, I'm not going to do this again. I, I'm not going to I'm not gonna juggle these two things again. And this is the re exact reason why most people just don't get it. They just don't, I also they, don't like don't begging for money. Mm -hmm. That's awful. Like to have to go in and ask for a raise is the worst thing I could think to put myself through. And I was always so scared. Like, I mean, I've done plays and I've done theater where you're scared, but you're excited, scared because you're about to do this really fun, amazing thing. And this is the opposite of that. It's scared because of either rejection or this is my livelihood. And it's awful. That's an awful feeling. So I didn't want to, I don't want to go through that ever again. I want to control my own thing. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people calling with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? 
Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant, or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs, and did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's going to want to take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to Hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. No looking back at that point. You did mention going to college, um, and I, we're, we're juggling our timelines a little bit here, but that's that's okay. We're not too worried about being perfect here. But So at some point in time, you did choose to at least go to college. I didn't choose to go to college. <laughs> you appeased the parents by that's enrolling exactly. in college. Yep. And spent yep. a certain amount of time there, yep. only to realize that this is, once again, not the environment I need to be in. Yeah, two weeks twice. That's what I say. Oh, you give it a second try, I, though. That's that's I did give it a endearing. second try for my dad. Yeah. So the first, you know, I I I I really just didn't have good grades in high school. I was um, a class clown. I, I teachers liked me and I was I, you know, I did the work in the class and but I didn't take I didn't do any homework ever. Just refused to do it. I'm like, school is school. Homework is home. There's no, there's no, they can't be the same thing. I'm, I, I, I've spent seven hours in school. That's enough. <laughs> that's and right. that's, that was my philosophy. And I knew that I would take a hit on my grades, but I, at the same time, I'm like, I know I'm not getting into a good college because I don't really care about those things. And so, and I didn't really know what I wanted to study. I had no idea. Um, all I knew was like, I, I really liked music, really liked movies, TV shows, like multimedia stuff. And that's what I went to college for, communications. But I didn't get into a regular college, even though I applied to one. I applied to a local college. And they were like, what? No, you didn't even take your SATs. I'm like, all right, so let me go take my SATs. Got super drunk the night before my buddies. Went to the SATs, got a 900 or something. Like just awful score. 
Uh, didn't really care. I just thought I had to appease them. And then, yeah, didn't get in. So I went to a community college, which made more sense to me and still does. Like, go two years at a community college, get your prerequisites out of the way, and then you can, you know, finish off at a four-year. And so I went to this community college because a lot of my friends went because not a lot of my friends had a lot of money. We were in a not a very rich town. And so um, I remember the... I came in guns blazing. I came into college like, oh, this is just high school part two. I, I'm, 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 I was senior year of high school. I loved high school. Senior year of high school was one of the best experiences of my life. So I, get, I go into college thinking this is the same thing except no lockers. So I, I, so I had this English class and I had failed every single English class up until this point except creative writing. So that's what I leaned on. And so I remember I had this, uh, in the first week or two, I had this assignment to write a how-to article, right? Which is essentially what I do now for the most part. So I, so I get this how-to article and we had to choose from a list of topics that were, you know, that she had predetermined. And not to mention like every day she would make us journal every morning and then you could share with the class what you journaled for two weeks straight. I would journal and I would raise my hand and I would say what my journal was. And it was completely made up. Like I, I had made up my entire day. I mean, it was like noon when I would go to this class. So I'm like, what do you, what do you expect me to do for the first four hours of my day? I mean, so I just made up like fantastical scenarios that I put myself through and that's what I would raise my hand. And she hated it, hated it. I'm like, why? This is exactly the assignment. If anything, I should be rewarded because at least I wrote something interesting. So I decided to do that with this how-to paper. I went home and I know I'm not good at English. And so the goal was I, I picked the topic, how to set up a date. And so I wrote this article. I don't know if I've told this story. How to, how to set this. up a date. How to set up a date. Not, to a, a not date. how to ask a girl on a date, but how to set nope. up a date. <laughs> yep. How to like buy right. flowers, pick okay. a restaurant. Right. Yeah, those things. And so I had written this entire article about me setting up a date with a female. And I made, I had my friends all look it over to make sure that it was grammatically correct because I knew that the, at, at the last minute, I flipped all of the um, references to the girl to Fidel Castro, just last minute, boom. So I renamed the paper, how to set up a date with Fidel Castro. I thought that was funny at the time. And I got an F on that paper, but I knew that it, I shouldn't have because all I did was change one thing and it, and it was, it was grammatic, grammatically correct. And I, and she pulled me aside after class and she was like, this is this, I didn't find this very funny. I'm like, I don't care if you found it funny or not. This is English composition. I composed English. So the fact that you're giving me an F is just because you don't find what I say funny. So at that point I realized college is bullshit and I'm out and I quit. I quit that friggin' day because I'm like, I'm never coming back to this ever again. If I'm going to be person i guess like like told i'm wrong when i'm not wrong well and it sounds and like i i suspect that uh if your dad was the guy that i'm not suggesting that you portrayed him differently but if he was the guy that you're suggesting is which is he's always in your corner kind of the guy rooting yep. for you my mm -hmm. i suspect he probably took that and said all right you gave it a shot you get nope. you gave it a fair chance that's not what happened <laughs> because i decided because my dad funded my first semester of college and i decided to not disappoint him and instead wake up 
as if I was going to college, get ready as if I was going to college, then get in my car and then go basically fuck off my friends who were in college. Sorry for the language. Um, so, it, so, so you, you, you lived the, the, the perceived life of a college student of a college for, student for, for a, a couple of weeks. Of time. Okay. For a couple of weeks until the, my friend of mine who I was going to college with had told his parents for some reason that I wasn't going to college. They're my parents and his parents are friends. They go, they have a night together and they're like, so Matt's not going to college anymore. And my dad's like, what do you mean Matt's not going to college anymore? He said, yeah, Connor said he's not going. Uh, he's just, uh, you, know, you know, driving around and stuff. And then that morning, I wake up to the feeling of my full hamper of clothes being slammed on top of me because my dad is angry that he found out that I wasn't going to college. So my dad beat me with a hamper. This is a, <laughs> this is a heck of a story. Clothes. Yeah. So... I felt that I needed to make it up to him. And I tried to go to college the following semester with my own money. And, and I, I, I found out a little tidbit of information, which was, hey, if you drop out within the first week, you get your money back. So I was like, I got one week to see if I like this. And that was, and I said like three or four days and I'm like, I'm out. Yeah, this is, this is not. This is exactly like I thought it was going to be once again. Yeah. And, and honestly, the reason is because I had a job, like I was working and going to college and my job was paying me very well for that age. And so I'm like, uh, I know I can continue with this, this path. I don't, I I just figured like I, it wasn't, and it, it wasn't even like I had no skills. I had plenty of hobbies. Like I was, I was doing all kinds of stuff. I was on a computer. I was doing video editing. I was doing music editing. Like I had many, many different paths to take. Um, but school was definitely not one of them. Did you just feel like the, the, the lines blurred for you, it sounds like between skills and hobbies and interests and careers. Like you just didn't have the separation of this is, this is the job path that most people follow, but you have these hobbies on the side. They just were all things to you that you liked. And yeah, it's, it almost seems like subconsciously you were bound and determined to force that upon yourself. Like, this is how I'm going to make my living is doing the things I like doing that are just enjoyable that, that may not, I don't even know if you worried about them being careers. You just thought, I like doing them. I'm going to make money doing it. Yeah. I actually never had that moment of what am I going to do for the rest of my life? Oh my God, I don't know. Because all of my hobbies were work. You know, I, I, I worked, I liked work. I would, I rather, I had rather be at work than be at school. I just, I, I had more fun. I was in, I had more control and I had more power because at, at the pool store, again, adults were coming to me for answers, not the other way around. And so I'm like, why would I trade that? If I'm already this person, then why am I like, I'm already a teacher. I'm just a teacher in the pool business. So I don't, so I'm, and I also don't respond well to authority. And so every time Every job I've ever had, I've only had one person above me. And that person, like, I befriended immediately. So I never really had a boss that yelled at me. I've never been really yelled at by a superior. Interesting. Besides my parents. Interesting. But, so, and it's not lost on me that you're, you're the guy that produced the, the, the anthem for online business owners of I'm the boss, right? Like that's it. That's, that's the storyline. So, all right. So let's, so Swim University. I want to, I want to, I want to walk through that. You've got this mounds and years of, of swim experience, and you, you start 
dabbling. You start writing a little bit. You you grab the domains. You lose the domains. You get them back. Uh, you start you start building this little mini empire. I say that somewhat tongue in cheek because it took years before it actually became that. But what in the early years of Swim U- University became your thing that you're making uh, a chunk of change from? But in the I early years, like ni- I would say it's like ninety percent of okay. the revenue, if not eighty-five. W- what did you What did you picture for it when you first got started with this? Did you just think, "Hey, there's some people making some money doing blogs and so forth. Um, I can do that." Uh, what did What was the What was the grand plan early on? The grand plan is honestly what I'm doing right now. Exactly Which what you're is doing. so weird. Yeah. It was... How could you have foreseen, uh, however... Uh, like, what was the model? Did you have other people that you saw doing something similar in a different industry? Nope. You thought, I could do that with pools. Nope. <laughs> that was the, so this is 2003, 2004, when I had the idea for it. I was working at the pool store in the retail side of things. I wasn't yet the marketing manager. I became a marketing manager of this retail business that had multiple stores. But I was just at the time working in one specific store. And we, my, my boss and I, my, the manager and I had this very unique way of describing. We were very good at teaching these you know, customers how to take care of their pool. And people like sought us out, mainly her. They used to call her the pool Nazi. And just because she would yell and scream, she was awesome. She was like super, I, want, I, don't, wanna, I don't know if I want to say brassy, but yeah, just like, this is how you do it. Listen to me. If you don't want to listen to me, fuck off, go somewhere else. And she was very just like, it was so great, but people loved it. And I'm like, there's like, I, there's so many people who need help with this. And we're only this tiny little store in New Jersey. I, and there's no online information about this. I bet you this would make a great website. And at the same time, I was learning website design for my band. So I had this, this ability to create a website from nothing. And I had, this, you know, this, this knowledge of pool care. So I remember talking about it for about two years saying I was going to do it. My bass player in my band finally like kicked me and was like, you need, you got to stop talking about this. You've been talking about it for two years. You better do it. Okay. So being a website designer and wanting to learn website design, I was, I had I wasn't using WordPress. I built my own thing from the ground. Which up. blows me away by the way. Cause even, even back then, you could spin something up with WordPress pretty quickly. Yep. I was doing individual HTML files. Um, and then I went and built my own like dub WordPress, basically. Uh, that was really stupid in hindsight, but I did it. I did it. And that was like, that was a turning point when I, when I realized, when I did that, because it was like, oh, I can work on this from anywhere. I don't have to be at my computer with where the files are. Um, so this is like 2005, I'd say I started building it. And, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, I'm not a good writer. And that was probably the hardest part. And I was just working at this pool store, coming home and working longer on this pool thing. And, uh, you know, it's not, I, I was really just a side thing. But I knew it was going to be what I did, uh, what I did. Like I knew it was going to make, it was going to be something. Did you still see this as, as, largely a, it's online but it's a localized business because you're talking a lot about leads with uh that you would might push over like you would have advertisers through good uh, yeah. ads that's through guys that you know own pool companies or something like that did you see this as I, a local business still no 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 okay. i saw it as a national okay. actually an international business because i knew that there were pools in you know europe and in, in australia at the opposite time of year so i'm like oh no this is this is global uh but i 
I knew that I had connections in the pool industry that I wasn't planning on using AdSense. AdSense to me was a jumping off point. Like, oh, I don't have enough traffic, but I could put an ad in there now. But once I get enough traffic, man, I'm going to email Joe and he's going to be like, yeah, we're going to put a banner on your site, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and it did actually, that actually took place many, many years later. But um, that was, I knew that that was the path and I was doing it so on the side. And when I say on the side, like that's why it it took me almost, and I, why it took me 10 plus years to get where I am, because it was such a side thing that I was doing. Cause I was also, you know, I was working at the pool store. I was doing website design on the side just to make extra money. Cause I'm like, I just like money. I want extra money. That's fine. My, this swim university thing isn't taking off. And I would also just go online, research a bunch of stuff. I would take, I didn't take courses. Courses weren't a thing at the time. I mean, they were, I'm sure, but like uh, not as prevalent as they are today. But I remember being a part of a community a sort of later, I think it was around 2008. I joined this community called, uh, it's no longer around, but it's called the Keyword Academy or it was called the Keyword Academy. And um, it's just a couple of guys, I think they were from Utah and, and uh, they were teaching at the time SEO, which later became gray hat or black hat SEO. Uh, but we didn't know it at the time. We thought we were just doing, you know, good keyword research and keywords, you know, it wasn't stuffing. That was like, no, stuffing is bad. Don't stuff. Keywords. Sure. It was just like, right, up, was right up to the limit. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, but let's take articles and spin them and like, and send them to a bunch of different article directories to get backlinks. Cause it was all about building backlinks. Right. I was very, very good at that. And I, but what I was really bad at was writing the articles, especially on my own site. So even though I was getting traffic to my website, my articles were just garbage. Um, did you learn early on or did you learn at this point this, that I need to start outsourcing some of this stuff or do, did you just feel like I got to plow through it? I can't, I can't I pay got, somebody to do this stuff. Yep. I, yeah, I couldn't afford anybody. Didn't actually, uh, outsourcing wasn't even in the cards and it never, never crossed my mind that I would ever hire a writer because at the time I believed I was the only person who could write this content. Yeah. I know the stuff. Yep. That's, I, I truly thought that. And it wasn't, <laughs> I thought that for a long time. So I did this, um, that I had this site It wasn't really bringing in much, but it was bringing in like maybe a hundred bucks a month. I was like, this is cool. This is working. I'm growing something, I'm doing a lot of work outside of the website. I'm doing like, I'm writing these like crappy 300 word articles and like hundreds of them. I had spreadsheets of like all of these like crappy articles that I was just like pumping out, like eyes closed, banging on the keyboard, didn't even care what it was just trying to get you know, actually, you know, remember Ezine articles? I got a mug from them because I had sub- submitted so many things. Like they've sent me like a care package. They're like, dude, thanks for all this content. <laughs> Great. Um, yeah. So it was, I was good at that. I did not spend a lot of time on the web. I think I might have spent a lot of time on the website design, but not on the content. I was really just kind of like, no, I got the content. That's done. Right. I would tweak the hell out of the website design because that's what I like to do. And then I spent the rest of my time backlink building grew a significant amount of traffic before it all came crumbling down in the wake of whatever penguin or Panda, one of those two uh, Google updates. And then when that happened, that was a huge turning point because um, the guys that I had been in the keyword Academy with, and I'd been with them for like a year or two. And like, you know, it's, it was just like this online forum every Thursday, we'd have like these calls. You got badges for like more money you'd made and stuff. It was really, really cool, actually. 
Um, and that that moment, they that they had to completely change their business model, not their business model, but their approach. And I realized, oh, these mother, they, they don't know what they're doing. Oh crap! I've been following the wrong horse this whole time, and that really sucked. What? What? Around what year was this? Because uh, the it seemed like to me the breakthrough moment or the time where you turned the corner was around the time mm-hmm. you did the infamous. Uh, um, it's almost like the precursor to I'm the bo- I am the boss. <laughs> it's you did the swim you version of that where you had a YouTube video about cleaning yeah. the principles of cleaning your pool. Yeah. The chem- yeah. All of that. Like that, it was that was late. September that. 20, that was late 2012. I think it was early 2013. Yeah, so this happened in 2008. Okay. I remember okay. it because I was, right. I was living in my condo when I, so it was like 2008, 2009 when either penguin or panda came out. I don't remember which one it was. Um, and then these guys were just like, uh, okay, we're not writing for the search engines anymore. We're writing for people. It's like, oh my God, we should have been doing that this whole time. What the hell have we been doing? That means you plowed through the next three or four years still just churning out content, trying to find that magic formula um, before yeah. b- before breakthrough happened. I mean, yeah. So from like 2004 up to 2008 was doing all the wrong things. Just just really just following this like this this horse that, had broken legs. And so I ended up, there's no, there's no metaphor there. I don't know why, why I use that metaphor. It makes no sense. But I got to this point where this happened. I lost a lot of traffic. These guys completely flipped their approach and I'm like, okay, they don't know what they're talking about. And that's when I started seeking other, um, I guess, online mentors, digital mentors, I'll call them. So I, I, this is when I found thinktraffic.net, which was Corbett Barr, who currently the owner of Fizzle. And I found Pat Flynn, I think around the same time as well. And I got the, somebody gave me the book, uh, the four hour work week. I think that all happened around the same like year or two. And Corbett was instrumental. I tell him this every time I talk to him, because it's like, he, he had this, he had this mantra, write epic shit. And the idea was don't really pay attention to SEO, just write stuff that's so good. They can't ignore you kind of thing. And I was like, that makes so much sense. <laughs> like, let's write. Well, that people. just takes a lot of pressure off too, right? It takes so much pressure yeah. off. And I was, because I was doing all technical SEO stuff and I had really not paid any attention to what I was writing and, and you know, how. So I went into my website and I started focusing more on the actual quality of the articles that I was writing. And I was still very bad at English. By the way, and did you go you, back and re-edit a lot of old articles too? Or did you just, uh, you, so you literally went back in time on the old articles, re- kind of re- rewrote those as well. Everything. Oh my gosh. I deleted a lot. Yeah. I mean, my, I've, I changed URLs so many times. Like Swim University is just if you knew the amount of changes that I made with it, and yet here I am with all this traffic, you'd be like, you wouldn't be afraid to change a URL anymore. Like you wouldn't be afraid to move platforms because I've done it. I've done everything. I had, I was on my own platform. I moved to WordPress and I combined a bunch of stuff. I had like subdomains. I had to remove those. I, I did all of this work to like really simplify Swim University. And I still do it every year. I find a new way to like make it simpler and simpler. but I was trying to make it simple and really focus on the writing. And this is around the time where I, I, there was a point in time where I got laid off from my job. And I think this is the, probably the most important, the other, the other turning point of my career. So the, the first turning point was, I guess, 
understanding that I had to write good content. The second turning point was I had, I, when I got fired from that job I talked about earlier, I had worked for this other company. It was a, it was a restoration company. So if your home catches fire, I was doing the marketing for this, this company, which is not a good market. It's not as fun as pools. It's like your home's on fire. We can help. Your home got destroyed by an overflowing toilet. We can help. Tornado. We got you covered. It's like, oh, so, so sad. But I did that for two years. And I, I remember just having this, like, I was very involved with my boss. Like I was, you know, friends with my boss. And, um, and I, I just kind of had this feeling that things weren't going that well with the company. And I, so I knew that there was a point where I was probably going to get laid off. But I wasn't 100% sure. But I'm like, I'm pretty sure. And there was a moment. So this, is, this goes back. I had gotten let go from my, this pool company one summer, or sorry, one winter, because usually I'd work all winter, but this winter, he couldn't afford to keep me. So he let me go. And I was like, oh man, what am I going to do? And I worked at Target that winter. Awful, awful job. But I found out when I got back to that job in the summer, they're like, why didn't you just collect unemployment for the winter? That's what everybody else does. I'm like, wait, I could collect unemployment for the, I could have been doing nothing all winter. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, oh. So I knew that that was like a thing that I could take advantage of, but I had to learn it like, you know, after suffering. So I knew it was coming. I knew that if I got the opportunity to get laid off and collect unemployment, I was going to go 100% into swim university. Like I I wasn't even going to, I was going to make it like a full-time thing. And it wasn't. So hang on, hang on before you get to the, yeah, yeah. How could you possibly have felt at that point in time that it was absolutely going to pay off? Because you had learned some hard lessons. You had made, made <laughs> yeah. you had, I mean, and not, not that this is bad wisdom or bad judgment or anything like that. Sure. Like you, you, you just found out, oh, those guys uh, aren't guys I should follow anymore. Shouldn't be my online mentors or whatever. Like mm-hmm. how, how did you figure out or how did you arrive at the conclusion that this is, I am on to something. I am sure I'm on to something. I just need to stick to it versus just, all right, that, that ship has sailed. That well, was fun. I can try something else now. Yeah, probably at this time, Swim University was doing maybe maybe five to 10 grand a year. So it wasn't nothing. Right, but it's not you much. Know. It's not much to live on either. No, no. But I'm like, I, I had this confidence that if I put 24 hours a day in, you know, instead of just the two hours at night, I would work on it. If I could put way more hours, I could write more. I could start doing video. I could start doing all that. I could start a podcast. I could do all these things. And I could really just like push this thing to, to where it needed to go. Start doing sales calls with, you know, because I couldn't take any, I couldn't do sales calls with, um, to get ads during the middle of the day. I couldn't do it. So it was, I knew that it had, I knew it had something. And in worst case scenario, I always had website design to fall back on. I already, I already knew that like I could make a living doing that freelance. So I felt that this was happening and I kind of knew cause like, you know, I you hear talk around the office. I knew that my boss, I could see it. And one day it happened. It was like three months after. And I was like, and I sat so still, but I was the most excited I've ever been in my life. The day that I got let go from my company and he goes, don't I go. And I asked one question. I was like, Oh, I kept going. Oh man, that sucks. Ah, Oh, that sucks. I'm in inside. I'm like, oh my God, yes, this is great. And then I just said, 
ah, well, I'll get unemployment, right? Yeah. Oh, no, we'll take care of you, Matt. Don't worry. Oh, I don't need it for that long. I'll be, I'll get another job. No way, man. I knew it. I took, I, I got the full amount. I knew I had one year and I knew at that moment I couldn't, I, I could have just lived off of unemployment. It was enough for me to live off of. I knew it was only going to last a year, or at least I felt I'm only going to give myself a year. And I can't, so I was living a lifestyle where I had a car, I had a BMW, I had a, a brand new condo that I was living in. I'm like, I can't be on, on, on unemployment trying to start a business and owning and paying this much in, in you know, my mortgage and my car payment. Um, I did, it, honestly, it wasn't even about, it just didn't feel right. Even though I could afford it, it just didn't feel right for me to do that, especially when I was taking a loan from the government, which some people would call me a freeloader. I called it a business loan from the government that they didn't realize was a business loan. So, and even during that time, I was still doing website design on the side. I wasn't claiming it. Don't come after me, NRA. Uh, but I was making this extra money. So I sold my BMW. I rented out my house, moved in with my younger brother. And basically just, that's all I did was swim university for a year. Publishing articles, videos. I did a podcast. I was just pushing. And I got it up to 40K a year in the first year, in that year. Which so, is enough to survive on. Th- that that is that is, and uh, I think we're talking five or six years ago at this point, right? That that got us to twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen, somewhere uh, in that range. Yeah, it's probably probably seven, six or seven years ago. Yeah. Okay. So around that same time, you must have started to think: not only do I have free time to get swim you doing what it needs to do, um, but mm-hmm. but no reason why I can't do this in in a couple other niches right um that when <laughs> yeah. roasty coffee yeah. got started maybe uh, maybe a year later or something like that but the the idea must have been percolating in your mind that hey wait a minute i can go all i can go all in on swim you or i can maybe start to yes yeah, so, so yeah so for a long time i had this vision that swim you was the first entity and i would have multiple um but i joined fizzle so i was in fizzle so i had that community to support me um and i met my friend Andrew, who I do the List of Money Matters podcast with. And that was really the first instance of like, oh, that's my second thing. So I did, the, I did personal finance and pools. For, so that was the first like extra thing, but I had a partner there. And then Roasty was after that once I had left uh, List of Money Matters. But yeah, so I, was, I remember living with my brother when we started the podcast. I remember some university made 40K when, that year. And I was still doing... And, and, and unemployment was over and I was doing website design on the side. So I had three things. I had Swim University. I had this podcast and website, listenmoneymatters.com. And I had uh, freelance website development. And I did that for a couple of years. And I find, like we did, well, we did Listen Money Matters. And I decided, like I said, hey, um, I have to go focus on Swim University because Listen Money Matters wasn't making money fast enough. And... I, that was a falling out that I had with Andrew. We're back together now, but that was a little falling out we had. And so I worked on some university again, like just as hard as I did the first year when I quit and I, I was able to grow it to 80. So, um, that's when like, yeah, it was just, and, and honestly, everything, it just boils down to writing good, good content and videos. That was, that was, and, and infographics really helped too. And, and doing the rap video, 
Too, yeah, you did the rap video for Swim, You, uh, which which I swear was a precursor, obviously, to the other, even the podcast yes. rap video that you did. Hundred, no, it absolutely was. Which, by the way, I don't know why that podcast rap has not turned into a more polished recorded version. Why Why have we not seen that anymore? I've only seen the live version of that one. Oh, there's another, there's a whole new podcast on. Okay. All right. I got to find that I one. I did a whole other video. All right. All right. Then my yeah. my, my detective skills are uh, need to be sharpened just a little bit. Okay. So... Well, yeah, there's. I have two <laughs> podcast raps. Oh, in the yeah. armada of rap songs, the, yeah, I've got yeah, to find that one. Yeah, in the catalog, yeah. Sure. All right, so I, if memory serves, if research serves, you cross the six-figure mark um, mm-hmm. sometime around 2015, uh, maybe for the first time, when Swim You explodes and the, maybe some of the uh, freelance stuff um, also kept going relatively well with web design. Does that sound about right? Five, five yeah, I, yeah, it does sound right. And I think I had given up. I mean, I think I was I would take a website design job here and there, but I was really kind of picky at that. And I didn't I hated doing it. I hate it. I don't again, that's like having a ton of mini bosses. I don't like it. I don't like I don't respond well to somebody go that says like, oh, uh, could you add this? I'm like, no, I, I did what I was supposed to do. I'm done. <laughs> so it's funny that you make those decisions in life. And then everything gets better. <laughs> you know, you, yeah. you you decide to no, I'm not answering to anybody, and then everything gets right. better. Funny how that works. But um, so between the time of 2015 and 2019, four years, yeah. you basically mm-hmm. four to five x four. We'll say four x, I guess. Yeah, we'll say we four x your business. Um, mm-hmm. As you you think about how things had to progress with SwimU up to that point, and then since that point, what has what what was the tipping point? What was what went so? When did something things go so right that the floodgates opened, so to speak? When do you look back and see? I don't want to say it had to be a hockey stick moment, but when do you look back and see this was the moment where, uh huh, I could sit back and sort of <laughs> tap my fingers together and say that's when it all came together. Honestly, it, it happened before that. It was when I when Corbett was like right epic shit. I mean, it was the moment that I realized that like you have to create good useful content and it's so obvious to say but at the time i didn't really know it because i was just doing internet things everyone was a, a, a binary number to me now i look at it like there's a real people behind google analytics that are reading my stuff you know there's a real people watching my videos not just robots but even and still google that's when you're that's when it feels like your mind completely opened up that you will you will get to the mountaintop with swim you right but here's why because or at least i think this is why that is something so easy for me to understand as somebody who was in a band and who has done creative projects his whole life it's like uh all you have to do is put your energy towards this thing and yeah it's about algae and that sucks to write about but but you don't but if you want to make something epic do it do something crazy like you have permission to do that, which was the rap video. That was a moment where I was like, I'm going to do something no one's ever done before. And in my head, it's, I felt more grandioso than it actually is, right? Like, all right, you made a rap video. Everybody makes a freaking rap video. But I was like, no one's done it about pool care. And like, dude, even if this belly flops, pun intended, I'm like, I'm still going to be proud of it because I did. I put a lot of effort into it. Well, and you, so, and you brought something to the table. Listen, uh, uh, today, 
somebody in uh, where you are, which is the Northeast. No, you're in you're in Colorado now, but yeah, but, but um, now, yeah. but somebody back in the Northeast, somebody in Arizona, California, Florida, Texas, wherever could could start a swim blog today and have just yep. as much expertise and write the same kind of general content. But to me, yep. what stands out is it's not just about the content you write and whether it's wonderfully optimized and all that sort of thing, but it's it's also about the flavor, the 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 brand behind it, the personality behind it. And it seems to me that that's the light bulb that that uh, that turned on from Corbett's influence. Yes, that was the that's the easy part. Yeah, right. The hard part. That, and then it was like, oh, but then I'm also going to be good at the technical side too. Right. So like double whammy. So you right? square. You had the functional side, the technical side yep. squared away, and now you thought, wait a minute, get the shackles off. Now I'm going to bring me into this yes. much more personality. I'm going to bring all of me into this, and yeah. that's where. That's where it all had opened up. So when you talk to people, yeah. uh, Money Lab ultimately launches um, a year mm-hmm. or so later, 2016, I think it was. And, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that means that not only do you have peers that are building their own businesses on the side, but now people are looking to you as somebody who can mentor them. And yeah. it, as you start having those conversations, does it dawn on you that that's still a missing piece for a lot of people that want to do what you've done that they don't pour themselves into it or or no or do you think there's other things that people just aren't bringing to the table and never get over the hump to do the things that you've done over the last uh last 11 plus years yeah i think i'm bullheaded too so like i i my my dad being my cheerleader cheerleader in life has made me a i'll say i i say cocky but probably confident person and I also know what stops me. Like I'm very, I'm, I, I really pride myself on my self-awareness. I, I practice that constantly. So I'm constantly looking at myself going like, what is wrong with you? Let's fix that. Um, but I, yeah, I was going to, I power through just a lot of things and I kind of do it ignorantly. Meaning I, I try not to look at other things because I am influenced by those things. When I started Roasty, I was just telling Steph this morning, like, I didn't look at any other competitors. I couldn't because I would, it would literally stop me from doing it. I'd be like, oh, well, they already did it better. What am I going to do? And same with the pool thing. I didn't, there was, I didn't research anything. You didn't, there, there was no, you didn't bring out AHREFs and start doing your keyword no, research. I like it was, I know this thing. I'm going to go, go for it. And then Corbett comes along and tells you, be yourself on an epic level. Yeah, essentially. And you poured yourself into it. There wasn't this, uh, there wasn't this analytical approach to building it. Not that there's no, clearly no. there's nothing wrong with that, but, th- but that's, I mean, there, that's was, not how there you wasn't it the link. Time. There wasn't a link building side of things and the technical SEO of it for sure. Um, and, and yes, they, they, there were blueprints and I followed those blueprints it, and really like SUMI university has been one of those, um, interesting case studies. And I feel like I constantly get into this sort of area where it doesn't fit a lot of other people's blueprints as like what to do. You know, I, and like, I would always get advice as, uh, you know, if you want to build traffic and you want to get links, you start commenting on forums and, and getting, you know, like there's no forums for pool care. There's one and they hate me because I, I started a website that looks nicer. So no, I, I, that's not an option. So next blog comments, go and make comments on other people's blogs. I'm like, that also is not a thing in my industry. What? I don't know what to do. And I, and I had to kind of barrel my way through every single problem. And that's, again, I think the niche that I chose and how I chose to approach building it is the reason it took me so long. But I am grateful that it took me that long because I learned 
everything of what not to do and then and then had to reflect back to figure out, oh, that was a good idea. Do that again. So you know? if I were to pause this, uh, this interview and do my own synopsis of what your approach was and how it differs from maybe people who do a lot of, who take the solely keyword oriented approach to things and build a site mm-hmm. based on an opportunity that they see within keywords. Again, I have no problem with that. I just think that's an alternative approach, right? But if, yeah. if I were to tell somebody this is the blueprint that you followed, is it duplicatable? Um, do you feel like people, more people could, should go about business building in that same way? Yes. And the reason why is because I did it twice. And I wanted to see if Swim University was a fluke or if I had figured out something. And, it, and what I figured out was uh, it's not really that technical. It's really kind of simple. And it, it, it's, it's, you know, I, yeah, I encourage a lot of people to do it again. And I've watched people do it again. I made a course on how to do it again because ultimately I know that there's a lot of money to be made in selling the shovels instead of digging for gold. But I am still bad at that part too. Right. So the, that, that brings us to Money Lab. Today, Money Lab yeah. is not just an entertaining, um, it's not just an informational, it's a highly entertaining, I almost want to say like web presence because you'll put out content that's unlike any other content out there, i.e. the YouTube videos. You've got a mm-hmm. podcast that's full of personality and brash and real talk um, that I think most people, well, not, I don't want to say most people would enjoy it, but it, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, an alternative to a lot of the online content uh, out there, you know, online business yep. building content, which is very bland and vanilla. Um, but it comprises, it includes numerous products as well. There's SEO for bloggers. There's Asana for bloggers, affiliate marketing video course. Obviously, you came out with Lasso not too long ago as well. Yep. Um, do you see a time where SwimU can be something that you 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 trust is on autopilot or in somebody else's hands and money lab becomes your thing um or like what do you picture over the next 12 to to 18 to 24 months with with these two enterprises so i i recently got into doing videos again for swim university but i've processed it out so well i think that i've i don't really have to spend a lot of time working on that which is nice and i still get to make videos which is super fun and lucrative uh, and I've always wanted that for some university. I always wanted video to be a part of it. And I've always struggled because I'm not near a pool. You know, I don't, I don't have, I'm just, it's just me. How am I going to get somebody to film this? I got to write the script, Ugh, you know, but I figured out a, a, a way. And so there's a couple of things I want to do with some university. I still feel very much involved in it. Um, it is for the most part on autopilot. You know, I have a team, a small team of people now who who help me write, help me create graphics for it, help me do videos. Uh, so for the most part, it's kind of on autopilot. I'm I'm always optimizing it. I'm always tweaking it. Um, not as much as I used to. Uh, I recognize that it's a good site. It's it's stable, and I have a few more things I'd like to expand now that I've become more clear as a business owner as to what I do for a living. Because I, you know, because I do a lot of different things and can do different things, a lot of opportunities come my way, and I tend to say yes to a lot of things, and I tend to see the dollar signs and everything. And now that I, now that I've kind of crystallized what it is that I'm good at and what it is that I do, 
I've been able to ignore a lot of those opportunities and sort of focus on like, oh, that fits what we do very well. So let's do that. And also let's do a really small version of it and see if it works. Like it's very methodical now. So yes, there are, there are three. So there's, there's some university and then there's money lab and then there's brew cabin and then there's lasso. Right. So I've had brew cabin is a homebrewing site. I'm a home brewer. I love it. It's my passion. Um, it does get some good traffic, but I think I've, it's really hard for me to say this out loud, but I'm going to say it. I think I have to press the brakes on brew cabin temp for the next year or so. Um, not, not that it's not a viable business. It, it certainly will be and can be if I put my energy towards it. But if I had to pick a horse to bet on, it's probably not going to be that. And it's probably going to be money lab. The problem with Money Lab, though, and, and Money Lab incorporates uh, Lasso as well, in my eyes, because it's very similar. But um, with Money Lab, I am currently in this space of Money Lab is very much me, and it's full of experiments, and it gets very little traffic, like two thousand people a month. It's and it surprises people when they hear it because if people have ever heard of me, they're like, well. I hear, I hear, I hear about you and your content. How could it be so sparse? And the reason is because I don't do any SEO at all. So the only traffic I get is referral traffic from either like social media or other websites. Right. Um, so it has a good, uh, it has good, I love money lab. I love it. It's like my favorite thing I ever did. And the reason I started it was because uh, I was encouraged to start it by, by Jason Zook, but I really liked what I was doing at some university and my ego wanted people to know what I was doing at some university. But I was so behind the scenes that I, that no one knew like how much traffic it was getting or you know, how much money it was making or, you know, the things that I were, I was proud of, like no one really knew that. And so I wanted a place to show that, but I didn't want to be a douchebag about it and just go like, I've done X and therefore I, you should follow me. So the, the, what money lab really is, is sort of me saying, look, I can make money online. I can also not make money online. I'm going to try everything like I've done for the last 14 years, but instead of doing it alone and brooding about when it doesn't work, I'm going to do it out loud. And I'm not going to be a preacher. I'm not going to say, this is the way to do it. This is what I figured out. Here's the blueprint. I don't want to be that. I'd rather be like, here's, a, here's the blueprint that I took you can try it for yourself. So all of my courses are really not, I don't really teach. Uh, it's, it's, it's like I'm showing you my philosophy. It's just saying, you're, hey, you're coming along. You're looking over my shoulder. This is how I'm going to do it. Do it however you want, but this is the way I'm going to do it. it, it right. I, I don't, it, it should go without saying that you're doing with 12 to 14 years of experience. So it's not, yeah, it's not right. like you're learning as you go too much. No. But you are making some hunch decisions. Right. You know? So, yeah. so I've been, I feel like I've done this long enough <laughs> where I can make really grand hypothesis about making money online and go, okay, let's let's, and I'm, and the one thing I know that I'm pretty good at is focus. I have this weird ability to sit at my computer all day and then, and then look at a clock and go, Oh shit, I better eat or something. Um, I don't do that every day, but for the most part, like I, when I put my mind to something, it kind of gets done. Um, and I don't mind being home. I haven't left the house in three days. And that's true. Um, so like I can sit home all day in this same outfit. I shower. 
Um, but I, I like being home and I like these, my computer and I like working and doing creative stuff. So, um, and, and I think money lab really needs my attention once the summer is over. And so my plan with money lab is to take some of the older articles that I written, which were really real time challenges and experiments. For example, I have a course called Asana for bloggers, which is the reason I started that course was I showed my friend on Skype my process for writing blog articles. And I, he was like shocked about how organized it was. He's like, you have to make a course about this. And so I was like, okay. And I like decided I'm going to do it in seven days. Like I'm not going to spend it. I'm going to just knock this shit out. Right. And so I documented that entire process. And while it's, if you read it now, it's a, a couple years old. There's a lot to be gained from that. And I've, and I've repeated that specific challenge two more times and to my advantage. And so the problem with it is it's not searchable. That's all it is. It's a technical SEO conundrum where I've written something very good, but no one can find it because you're not, they're not searching for how to, you know, they're not searching for, I built a course in seven days. They're looking for how to build an online course or something like that. So the idea is to go back into these old posts and preserve the experiment as is, maybe as like a white paper or something or a video and then, or a combination of the two, and then reformat the articles to be more SEO friendly and to see if that would increase the traffic on Money Lab, which should increase the traffic to my products, um, which should increase the traffic, you know, to me and my podcast also. So um, it is definitely the the right horse to bet on. It makes more money than Brew Cabin. Um, and if I put my mind to it at all, I think it would it would really take off. Well, I hope it takes off. I expect it to take off. You're applying know-how to something that you, I mean, you've been there, done that before, and now you get to talk about mm-hmm. the craft as opposed to funneling it into a specific craft. Like literally- And I love trying here. new things too, yeah. right? Like I can't, like I can't wait to sit down and build, like if, if someone's like, you need to use this software, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to use it and abuse it and then document everything and go like, here's what I did. Here's what happened. Here's how much money was made. Here's how much money was lost. I think that's what people like about you also is that you're, um, I, I, there's certain terms that seem branded that others use, uh, for how they go about building their online businesses and describing what they do with other people. Uh, Pat Flynn mm-hmm. has a couple of phrases that he uses on how he perceives what he goes about, uh, experiments that he does, that sort of thing. But you are genuinely the guy that says, I'm going to do it this way and I'll tell you how it goes. I'm going to podcast every day for 30 straight days. I'll tell you how it goes. It may not go well. Yeah. And if it doesn't go well, you'll, you'll, you'll just come straight out and say, hey, there's some, some lessons learned from it. There's some other things that didn't, didn't deliver here's what I thought big, it would. Yeah. And here's, I think, the big difference is I'm willing to say something sucked. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And, and I, I do try to say I learned something from it. But for the most part, because I'm East Coast, because I'm a half Italian or whatever, I'm just like, this was awful. And I hated it. It sucked. And there's no bright side to this. It was seven days. My girlfriend wanted to kill me. Uh, I was, I didn't eat. I didn't sleep. It was awful. Like, don't do this, you know? But I think a lot of people in the online space don't want to, they want to feel Messiah-like and go like, I put myself through this, but here's the best part. I learned so much about sure. my family. And sure. Like, fucking give me a break, dude. Sometimes stuff sucks. Right. 
you know? It's okay. And, and it's I think okay. you should say it. Yeah. As yeah. opposed to that Instagram life of everything looks great all the time, you know? Yeah. I, you know, so funny because I want to start an Instagram and I, and we, I've thought about this for two years and I can't find the angle, but it doesn't even have to be uh, Instagram, Facebook or whatever. I want to share mundane moments of everyday life, but somehow make it funny. And I just can't figure out how to do that. Like, here's my breakfast. It's not special. It's a, you know, it's not, it's not, it's just bad or like, here's my outfit. Here, check out my new outfit. Don't I look cute? And it's like me in a black hoodie and gym shorts. Well, this, but it's not funny. This it's might, just, this it's might, just true. This might be your version of when uh, Vince Vaughn did those stock photos. And it's, it's, yes. it's almost like Matt's version of the online business lifestyle and how, hey, this doesn't look all that glamorous, does it? Well, it's not yeah, always or like you do like those Instagram, those inspirational quotes, but they're not inspirational. They're just like, what? No, that's awful. Yeah, demoted. Like, there's, I, I've seen like, uh, I've seen quotes where people take things out of context, text, and it's, they're, they always crack me up, but I know they, they're, they're not trying to take things out of context. Like, it was a mistake on the VA's part. And I'm just like, that's so funny. <laughs> All right, Matt, I've stolen more time from you than I planned to steal from you. And I can't let you go, though, until we've completed our final three in one segment. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. All right. Uh, three in one means three questions, all with one specific short answer. And I'm going to start with one principle. I want from you one principle or value that you have come to believe that most people don't. Friendship. Matters. Oh, do, I, do, I get, do I get more? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I value friendship and relationships are the currency of life. There you go. All right. One behavior or habit that you try to live by or stick to no matter what. Nothing is urgent. I like that one. I like that one a lot. All right. And one person that you most admire that you take your cues from in life or aspire to be like. Uh, you know what? This is going to sound real sad. I don't think I have that person. That is brilliant. That is that is absolutely the way this interview should end. <laughs> well said, Matt. <laughs> it's been awesome having you on. Thanks so much for joining. That was the story of Matt Givanisi, founder of Swim University and Money Lab, the website at moneylab.co and the podcast. Stay tuned for next week as we bring you the story of Matt Sherman of Gigloft. He's still writing his story. So this was a great conversation with him and I'm excited to share it with you next week, one week from today. All right, if you enjoyed this episode, please give us your rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy your podcast and tell a friend or two. I'd love to hear from you on Twitter as well. Find me at Brandon Hull, H-U-L-L. All right, a thank you to my co-producer, Preston Lee, founder of Millo and admin of the Millo Mastermind community on Facebook, as well as Bilal Abrar, our incredible assistant. We're also proud members of the Podglomerate Network, so check them out, along with the multitude of other shows on that network. The Podglomerate, a sonic universe. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next week on Freelance to Founder.